Welcome to the SBI Podcast, offering CEOs, sales and marketing leaders ideas to make the number. Hello, SBI Podcast listeners. This is Greg Alexander with Sales Benchmark Index. Welcome to this week's podcast. Today, I am joined by Chris Cole, and Chris is the co-founder and CEO of Intelligrated. Intelligrated is a provider of automated material handling systems. This company was founded in 2001, and today it has over 2,300 employees and just generates excuse me, an estimated $600 million in annual revenue. Chris himself has been a CEO in the high-tech capital equipment industry for 14 years and has a total of 30 years' experience in this industry. A little fun fact about Chris, in 2008... Uh, he, along with his co-founder, Jim McCarthy, was named Entrepreneur of the Year by Ernst & Young in the Ohio and Kentucky region. Chris, welcome to the show. Thank you, Greg. All right, today we're going to talk about uh, CEO-driven sales strategy. And I've got to open up with uh, a question that is striking, and that is, from 2001 to 2015, you know, this country went through dramatic swings. We had the dot-com pop, financial crisis, housing bubble, and we went to a couple of wars. And yet during that time period when other companies had a really difficult time of growing, you know, you went from zero to several hundred million bucks in a relatively short time period. How'd you do it? Well, I I wouldn't say uh, it was easy uh, and that we didn't also face a lot of those challenges. Uh, of course, in the first years when we started the company, um, I convinced uh, my my co-equity investors, because I was putting a lot of my own money up, that starting a company in a recession was the best time, because when the market turned around in uh, 2002, we would be ready with really fresh product. Well, I I uh, forecast the end of the, re- of the recession a little bit too early. And um, we wound up having to grow a company where we had to take market share from someone else, which is a whole lot more difficult when you're a small company and you're competing against billion-dollar multinational companies. Um, In our case, we were competing with both a big German international company and a big British company. But we really focused on uh, customers. And I know everyone says that. But we really tried to listen more intently than the industry was and tried to come up with products and services that would make them successful. And not that we didn't have fits and starts, but uh, it, it you know, really, really helped. We got some good customers. Um, they told other people about us, and, uh, and that really led to the growth that we've seen. Okay. So listening to customers coming up with products and services that will help your customers be successful, you know, classic strategy right there. Um, I I, I learned a long time ago, Greg, there's only one essential part of of running a business. That's customers. You can make pretty much everything else up, but you have to have somebody who's willing to pay for um, what you're providing them. <laughs> you should tell that to some of these new internet companies who don't think yeah. anybody has to pay. <laughs> um, when you when you thought about sales strategy in the context of that overall strategy, did you have a specific sales strategy then and now, or was it all just one 
you know, aligned strategy all centered on the customer? Well, uh, I, I certainly hope that the sales strategy was aligned and centered on the customer. There's no doubt when we started the company, um, our, our strategy was to become, for, first off, most of the people that we had in the company and all of the salespeople that we started with were long-term players in the industry. Mm. So we had a good reputation, but I can tell you having a good reputation when you're backed by a company with substantial assets is a whole lot different than having a good reputation and having a a small company with no tangible assets behind you. Mm -hmm. And we were selling to gigantic companies, big retailers mostly, and um, every time they bought from us, it was a bet the company, uh, bet their career on, uh, on us. Because if we failed, the cost of failure to that customer was way in excess of what they paid us for the job. So we had to find those inspired customers who wanted to really change uh, what the impact of logistics was on their organization and felt that we could really do it where no one else could. And um, that gave them the courage to bet their career on us. And obviously, that was a pretty tough thing to do in the early years. It becomes much easier after you've succeeded in helping other people. But we, we really appreciate some of the early customers who took that chance with us. Mm-hmm. And when you think about it now, um, I mean, obviously, you're a very successful company, um, but it's not as if Intelligrated is a IBM or a GE, if you will. Do you still have that challenge, or is that behind you? Well, uh, I, I, I think we have to operate like it's never behind us. Mm. And although we are a much safer choice today, um, because like you said, we're a, a six or $700 million company today, um, we still have to earn our living every day. Uh, we're not in a business where we have to resell the new sales every year. Mm. Our recurring revenue is a smaller part of our sales which comes from the aftermarket. So every year I got to sell the whole backlog over again. Uh, and to do that, we have to be relevant to our customers and we have to uh, still provide them with something that they think will, will help transform their business. And I mean, I, I really sincerely mean it when we try to uh, tell our customers if they buy from us, they'll get promoted. And, um, and many times they do. <laughs> Um, so you have to always be hungry uh, for that growth. Mm-hmm. We're going to take a break here to make you aware of something that I think will be helpful. So we'll be right back. You want to invest in yourself, but don't have time to attend conferences or even read books. In less than five minutes each day, the SBI blog delivers a best practice to make your number, an accompanying tool to help you implement the idea, and mobile optimized ideas you can share easily with your team. Go to salesbenchmarkindex.com and subscribe today. Welcome back, everybody. Let's continue our conversation. Chris, recently you made a bold move into the software business through an acquisition, and I'm sure that's there was a strategic reason for that. There was probably a big benefit to the customer in doing that, or you wouldn't have done it. And how has that impacted your go-to-market model? Well, the biggest um, single challenge with that is traditionally – our main customer has been the vice president of logistics or the vice president of distribution. 
but increasingly, uh, we believe that uh, the, the cell is a total C-suite cell, especially to the CIO as well. And, um, you know, in the old days, automation of logistics or automation of the factory floor even was pretty much handled by the VP of manufacturing and the VP of distribution. A lot of CIOs have been burned by having embedded software systems that have uh, become major problems to support over time because they didn't know what was in it. So we increasingly think that the, the software is a strategic part of why customers should buy from us. We felt there was a great demand or need for logistics software that worked well with automation. So we felt the acquisition would help us grow that part of our business, um, not just to be in the software business, but to be in the total solutions pro provider business so that our customers could trust there's no separation uh, between the software that they're buying and the uh, IntelliGrated pieces that they're buying. And um, we're, we're still early in that journey. We're a couple years in. Um, uh, we certainly see it resonate well with customers, um, but there's a lot of work to do to continue to grow uh, the, the software applications and for us to prove to customers that we can deliver on uh, that vision. Um, so far, we've got some very, very happy customers. I would point out prior to that acquisition, we had very, very successful software part of Intelligrated. This really just added a new, n more capability to what we already had. Okay. You know, our experience is when you, when you have a significant new customer, so in your case, the chief information officer um, that you need to call on, it requires a different type of sales approach and maybe even a different type of salesperson. Have you seen that? Uh, I would say yes, and uh, we have been growing a, um, uh, I, I, not completely parallel, but we certainly have a separate software selling organization that is more attuned to selling to CIOs uh, and, and showing them what we can do. I think one of the challenges is to make sure that we don't, um, that, that we keep the selling cycles coordinated. Um, um, there is a tendency, I think, in the software business, um, particularly of standalone software companies, um, to focus on uh, smaller sales and more turnover in their sales force and more turnover in their customer base. Whereas um, we have a relatively fewer uh, number of target customers, and I cannot afford to just walk away from them. Um, so there's a few big retail companies, there's a few big internet companies, and I have to continue to be relevant to them, uh, even if the first approach isn't uh, successful. Hmm. And um, the, the big challenge has been blending the people who call on the CIO and getting them in line with the people who are calling on the VP of distribution. Mm -hmm. And the one, you know, there, there are very few constants in the, in the world, um, but I would tell you it is remarkable how many organizations do not have good communication. I'm talking about customer, uh, uh, customers and potential customers who have very poor communication between their CIO and IT organization and their operations folks. Hmm. And do you view 
you know, you're a team that's calling on that company in total as a conduit between IT and the business, and, and how do you approach that? Yes. I mean, every case is a little bit different, but um, um, we, have to, we have to be careful that we don't become a hammer uh, uh, for one part of the organization against the other part of the organization. That's a very bad situation for any vendor to be put in. But we also need to make sure that we can help explain uh, the common goal uh, and why the IT department needs certain things, and yet why the logistics department needs certain things, and what we can do to best satisfy both. Mm-hmm. And it has been very interesting. We've had customers who, you know, the IT organization didn't want anything to do with us because we were IT people, and now all of a sudden they become our biggest advocates because they've seen what we can do to help them. And they're almost pushing our traditional customers to say, hey, you need to be going faster here. We need to get this stuff in. Yeah. So it's, um, you know, but, but every every selling situation is different. Well, it's great to hear this story because I often advise CEOs that the sales team needs to bring more value to the customer and to the business than just selling the product or the solution. In this case, you guys are acting as almost strategic business consultants to them and helping them improve their overall business. And oh, by the way, if you do that well, you're differentiating yourself versus the bad guys, and they're rewarding you with that extra value added by giving you their business. Well, we get a very high percentage of our of our business from repeat customers, mm-hmm. and the only reason I think we do that is because they really see the value that we can bring to them. And um, um, uh, frankly, I, there's more opportunities today than I almost imagine there could be 13 years ago when we started the company. Interesting. And our, our, our backlog of, in the pipeline, not our sold backlog, well, sold backlog's at a record too, but the pipeline is at a record level of, uh, of jobs and leads and processes that we're working on. We need to take a quick break, so we'll be right back to you. Do you have too many things to do and not enough time to do them? Is finding time to learn best practices almost impossible? The SBI Podcast is your solution. Turn time spent exercising, commuting, and traveling into productive learning time with a subscription to the SBI Podcast. SBI Podcast listeners get unique insight into real-world sales and marketing issues through interviews with your industry peers every week. Find us on iTunes by searching for Sales Benchmark Index Podcast and subscribe today. Welcome back, everybody. Let's dive back into the conversation. Okay, let me pivot to another area that I wanted to pick your brain on here. Um, So you have private equity partners that injected growth capital into your company at various stages of its evolution. And how has your strategy changed as a result of that? Well, um, you know, I I want to be a little bit careful um, uh, about the term injected growth capital. Um, We started the company with a private equity group where management put up a substantial amount of money and private equity investors put up a substantial amount of money. We grew the business and um, um, a little more than two years ago, we... um, we bought out the original uh, equity holder PE company with a new one, uh, but there wasn't a lot of capital put into the company at the time. It was just re- you know recognizing the value of it, and management rolled a very very substantial amount of their equity mm. over into the new structure. 
Um, so we have a very strong balance sheet, but we have a model where, for a large part, we can grow um, by um, very good cash flow management uh, from um, you know from by generating faster cash flow than the growth of our inventory and receivables. Mm-hmm. Um, what the injection of a new private equity partner instead has brought. It's, it's less about capital, although there is access to capital should we want to make a big acquisition. But it's really been their ability um, to focus on the long term, uh, whereas when we were with a smaller PE company, you know, any drop one way or another or, or any plus or minus just highly magnified the returns on their fund. Mm-hmm. Now we're a small part of a much bigger uh, company that gives us the ability to be far more patient in terms of building a long-term strategy. And frankly, these guys have great access globally uh, to talents um, that our smaller partner just didn't have. Mm -hmm. So it's opened up a world to us. We're now expanding internationally um, into China and Latin America in a much bigger way. Um, and, And candidly, they have a lot of technology investments um, which has helped us as we've tried to identify opportunities in the software and technology areas. So they've brought some skills. Um, they've really been great partners. Um, but, um, um, you know, I don't want to take anything away from the guys that helped start us up. Mm-hmm. Um, believe me, in 2001, uh, we started this one week before 9-11, and they could have backed out right after 9-11 and they hung in there with us, and it's helped us build a great company. Mm, that's a great story. Good clarification point. So there's much more value that the private equity firm is bringing to the table other than just capital. So that, that was good clarification. Thank you for that. So obviously a great story. If I'm a hotshot sales leader, sales manager, maybe a top-notch marketer, why would I want to work for you? Well, I think the the biggest single reason people want to work for us is that um, we're we're a long term relationship customer with uh, a, a long term relationship company with our customers. So uh, we build valuable relationships and we grow those valuable relationships. And um, if you're in sales and marketing, everybody wants to play for a winning team, and um, th- that's been a good thing. But we're also in a very High growth end of the of the world. I actually was recently at a investment banking um, uh, industrial conference uh, earlier this week, and most of the companies were talking about three uh, to five percent annual growth. And um, you know we're seeing double to uh, four times that kind of growth in our market and what we think we can do. We may be growing a little quicker than the market, but. Um, um, if I was a salesperson, the idea of, of automating logistics and, um, and it, it is a very, very uh, exciting time to be in this business as more and more um, uh, people buy things from uh, the Internet and dot-com business and things have to work faster and faster in a more coordinated way. I think it's going to be a very, very big market for us uh, for quite some time. And it is not just a local market. It's becoming a global market. Mm-hmm. Right products, right industry, right time. I mean, it's a great uh, great time to be associated with Intelligrated, and it sounds like you're hiring. So if, yeah, um, we are. We're we just looking at plans 
for uh, next year and you know we we could again hire 400 people next year as well as uh, we hired more than that this year wow so, how would somebody... By the way, we're at 2,600 people. You said 2,300, which is probably what we had in writing. <laughs> but we've grown enough this year. We're now at 2,600. Okay. How would somebody uh, seek employment there? Would they just go to the website or what instructions? The best thing to do is to go to the website and uh, see what we're about. We also list opportunities there. Um, but if you are interested, um, uh, send an email to... Um, uh, from our website to our HR folks, or even send one to me, Chris okay. Cole and Intelligrated. Fantastic. Okay, we're going to take a quick break here to make our audience aware of a new offer. Making your number is hard. Your problems are complex. Complex problems need complex solutions. Introducing the SBI Magazine. Read in-depth stories written by award-winning journalists about how your peers have overcome their problems to make the numbers. When you need more than a tweet, social post, or blog article, turn to the SBI Magazine. Go to salesbenchmarkindex.com to subscribe. Hope you found that useful. Let's dive back into the dialogue. Chris, I want to ask you one um, pointed question, and it's a selfish question, but I'd like to get your honest feedback, and you've never been afraid to give me your honest feedback. Um, most CEOs that we deal with due to their success, they feel all the problems that they have, especially with sales and marketing can be solved internally. And they're usually right. I mean, they, what you've done here is amazing and you're going to have, you know, the answers to the challenges yet you hired our firm and you purposely sought out advice from an objective source. So how come? Well, I think there was, um, very much the feeling, um, that, although we have done a great job and we continue to do a great job, how do we really maximize the performance of what we are doing? And um, most of our people have been in the industry a long time. Um, we need to grow our um, sales and marketing forces. And we wanted to get some idea and some benchmark on how we how we were looking compared to the very best players in our industry or similar industries. And I think we hired SBI to get a look at what are some of the areas that we should be questioning. Not that we're doing anything wrong, but there's bound to be things that we could be doing better. And um, we're always striving for continuous improvement. I would tell you, when we look at our company overall, the manufacturing side and the engineering side are very, very, very process-driven. And the sales and marketing side has probably had less process in it than any other single part of the company. And we felt it was worthy of going outside to look at better ideas on how to add the right amount of structure and process to our selling efforts. Mm -hmm. Yep. Well, we see that quite a bit. You know, sometimes sales and marketing is too much art and not enough science. So rebalancing that is a, is um, obviously a good thing to do. And my compliments to you for having the courage to get an alternative opinion. Um, the last question I had for you is the area of marketing. So there's lots of debate in the you know industrial space, if you will, the B2B space on the relative importance of marketing versus sales. We have a point of view on that, and that is marketing, its relative importance is increasing and in some cases at a rapid pace, but we're sometimes alone in that view. What is your, your candid commentary on that? 
Well, I think the jury's out. What I would tell you is um, in the industrial companies that I have been involved with during my career, um, which is more than 35 years, marketing has not been as much about building demand. It's been more about uh, advertising, product management, and shows. And um, I do think there is more to marketing than that. Clearly, when you start looking at fields like software, there's a, a very highly evolved process. Those type of companies go go through in terms of lead generation and um, almost more mechanical approaches to to marketing. And I think we need to learn where some of those tools can yield uh, positive effects for us. So um, I don't. I don't think we're going to solve all our marketing problems inside. Um, we are going to continue to use both inside and outside help. Um, you know, it, it's it's funny um, when you're around a company, you think everybody knows about you uh, because our customers know about us. But you wonder what what the real potential is if other people uh, knew what we could do for them. And uh, I think good marketing is about trying to connect some of those dots on a prospective basis rather than just reactive basis. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is an emerging field, and it varies greatly by industry for sure. In your industry, where you have, you know, relatively speaking, a small number of customers and prospects that spend large amounts of money on this mission-critical area, you know, that's very different than you know, a software company that might have hundreds of thousands, if not millions of customers that spend a little bit of money. That's more of a marketing challenge and a sales challenge, so I can understand that point of view. All right, well, listen, we're at our, uh, our time window here. Just a quick recap. Um, we just spent some time with Chris Cole, who is the founder and CEO of Intelligrated. And we, our topic today was CEO-driven sales strategy. And we uh, heard from Chris about all the things that he did to grow his company in uh, a 13-year time period from zero to several hundred million dollars and how he's connected working backwards from the customer in all things, how he's connected his sales strategy to his corporate strategy. So, Chris, on behalf of the listeners in the firm, SBI, thanks a lot for sharing your commentary with us and and contributing to our body of work. Well, thank you very much, too, not only uh, for for you, Greg, but for uh, a number of your associates who, to this day, continue to help us uh, figure out how we can become a multi-billion dollar company rather than a multi-hundred million dollar company. Great. Well, thank you for that. Have a good day. Take care. All right. Thank you. Bye. This has been the SBI Podcast. For more information on SBI services, case studies, the SBI team and how we work, or to subscribe to our other offerings, please visit us at salesbenchmarkindex.com.